Hi everyone, I'm Daniela, and you're listening to the Pet Vet Exchange, a podcast by Mella. In today's episode, we are joined by Lori Chamberlain of the Fear Free Family to chat about stress in our pets. We discuss just how important it is to be attentive and respond to signs of anxiety, stress, and anything in between in your pets before their behavior escalates. everyone, I'm Daniela from Bella Pet Care, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. This is Lori Chamberlain. She's the head of education at Fear Free, and so already you know why she is such a fantastic guest. I've had a lot of her, which she calls honorary family on, and so if you recognize the last name Becker, then you know that there is some connection here. Everybody's just one big, happy, fear-free family, and I'm just so excited to have Lori on. So excited to be here, Daniela. Um, yeah, I do consider myself an honorary Becker for sure. The last name is different, but they are they do feel like family to me. So um, as you mentioned, I do work for Fear Free as the education manager. So my background before that is in training and behaviors. So before coming to Fear Free, I was the director of Karen Pryor Academy and also spoke on the faculty of the Clicker Expo Conference for several years during that time. I'm super passionate about educating pet owners on how to improve their pets' lives in every way possible. So we do that through arranging their environment, through training and enrichment, through learning to interpret their body language and respond appropriately. So that's a little bit about me and my background and what I'm excited about. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I know that your honorary family has been on to talk about certain topics within Fear Free. And so I always love this because since each one of you is just so passionate about that in general, we can dive in to very specific topics. And so today we're just going to talk about, you know, signs of stress and dogs and cats, how to avoid them, how to help them, how to make sure that they live their happiest, healthiest lives, which I think is fantastic. And so to start off, why do you really think it's so important to respond to signs of stress in dogs and cats? Well, so just like for us people, um, stress can cause a lot of problems for our pets. It can, especially chronic stress, can cause or worsen physical illnesses like GI issues, cardiac issues, skin conditions, and more. Um, And it's also been shown to worsen pain in terms of animals' perception of their own pain. When they're under stress, it actually can feel even more painful than it would if they weren't under stress. And lastly, stress just in general, it puts a strain on your relationship with your dog or cat and the human-animal bond. So if they are under stress, um, they have trouble trusting us or trusting the situation, or they look to us for to really um, make their lives better and easy and safe and complete. And when they're under stress, it's hard for them to do that. No, I think that's definitely true. Every pet parent just wants the best for their pet. I can't imagine, you know, having a stressed out pet. That's horrible. It's like your baby and you want to make sure that they're comfortable. For sure you do. Yeah. And so what do you think could happen then if you actually don't help a cat or a dog before their behavior escalates? 
So beyond just feeling unhappy and generally bad, uh, a stressed out animal can actually become a safety concern sometimes. So stressed out animal is far more likely to be aggressive or to accidentally injure themselves or us in the process. Um, once stress gets to that really high level, that's when we start seeing those aggressive behaviors. If on the other hand, um, an animal is mildly stressed and we can address that stress early on, they can usually recover from it fairly quickly. So if we are able to back off, give them space, feed them treats, they often bounce back. Um, but if we insist on pushing through just to get it done no matter what, their behavior could definitely escalate to aggression. And it's also going to be much harder next time whenever we have to do whatever it is we were doing that caused them stress. So let's say it's a certain procedure. Uh, the next time around, now it might require sedation or anesthesia, even for something as simple as a nail trim or seemingly simple to us at Nail Trim. Those are a really common source of stress in pets. Um, in addition to that, the stronger the fear the stronger the stress level, the stronger the memory is going to be that gets created. And unfortunately, in this case, it's going to be a bad memory. So if we think about times when we were very stressed out, think about a really stressful event in your life, oftentimes we can remember every detail about the room, the smell, the environment, who was present, what they were wearing. Um, and it's the same for animals, and it really makes it far more difficult next time once they reach that high level of stress, it's really burned into their brain as a significant memory. So stress in pets, it doesn't usually go away on its own if we don't address it. So as much as we would love to just wish it to go away, it's usually something, especially with something like a veterinary appointment or a grooming appointment, it's usually something that gets progressively worse and worse if we don't address it. So lots of reasons to kind of help out the behavior before that escalates into a high level of stress. Right. So let's definitely deep dive that as well. Uh, you know, no pet parent then wants their pet to get stressed, right? And so before they can address this issue, they probably have to assess it, you know, and find out that their pet is stressed out to begin with before, you know, they can do anything about it. And so how can pet parents, let's start with dogs here, because I know that dogs and cats are, they're very different animals and they show different signs. And so starting off with dogs, how can pet parents accurately read and assess their body language? Sure. So um, our pets can't use words like I'm scared or that hurts to communicate their stress to us, but they certainly can and do communicate via their body language all the time. So like you said, it's our job as pet owner professionals to learn to accurately read their body language. So for example, we can get a lot of information from an animal's head. So if we're looking at the eyes, um, a stressed out dog will have large black pupils. You won't see a lot of the iris around their eyes. The, the pupils will be really wide. And that's like with us as well. Um, dog's ears might be flattened against their head or they may be pinned back. They might be out like an airplane type configuration. Um, if you would look at the mouth, the mouth, they may be baring teeth or growling. Um, if we all want to look at what happens if the mouth shuts suddenly. So that can be a sign of stress. If a dog had been happily panting and then all of a sudden we see that mouth slam shut suddenly, that's often a sign of stress. Uh, another thing is to look at 
beyond the head, if we look at the overall body posture, is it loose and bendy and wiggly? That's typically a happy dog. We want to see loose and bendy and wiggly. They might curl into a C-shape. Or on the other hand, is it stiff or crouched or arched, uh, that rounding of the back or um, stiffening of the tail, stiffening of the legs, leaning away? All of those can be signs of stress. Um, and then into the more kind of subtle signs of stress that people have trouble recognizing as stress, animals can also display something known as displacement behaviors. So these are things like lip licking, yawning, scratching, sniffing the ground, sneezing. Um, these are all normal behaviors that animals might do, but when they're displayed out of context, like an animal who's yawning, but they're not tired, or an animal who's shaking as if they were drying off, but they're not wet, or if, you know, they suddenly go sniff the ground or scr- it seems like they have an itch. Those are all typical displacement behaviors, and those are recognizable as signs of stress. So, um, in addition to this, we have really great resources on fearfreehappyhomes.com that can help owners really identify signs of stress. Um, we have some videos on Dog Body Language 101 and cats, Cat Body Language 101, and then uh, there's some handouts as well, kind of little color-coded um, signs along the continuum of how stressed is your animal and what does it look like at each level. So I would definitely recommend going to fearfreehappyhomes.com, checking out the Dogs 101 and Cats 101 kits there to help learn body language. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned the subtle signs as well, because honestly, people don't say it, but being a pet parent is very hard. And, you know, even if you are a seasoned pet parent, there's still so many new things that you can learn about your pet. You know, maybe it's your first time owning a specific breed or a specific age. Maybe, you know, you've never had a senior pet. Uh, And so there's always just something to learn every day and they can't tell you, hey, I'm stressed out. And so that's kind of up to you to figure that out. And so I really love that. And then before we actually move on to cats, let's just kind of finish up with the dogs and, you know, all the cat parent listeners can hold off for a second and wait until we kind of just get through the dog bit. But okay, great. You're a pet parent, right? You know that your pet is stressed because you've just noticed all of these signs or you're a veterinary professional and your, your patient is very stressed out. Now, what's the appropriate response to that? And how can you keep the stress from increasing? So actually the answer for how to keep the stress from increasing is going to apply to dog and cat parents. Cause ah. it's actually going to, it's going to be the same. We're going to behave in the same way. So first and foremost, never, ever, ever punish because punishment always adds stress to the equation. So when I think, when I say punishment, I don't necessarily always mean yelling and bad dog punishment can come in the form of like a sigh or turning away or kind of a look of disgust, depending on how sensitive your animal, they could view that as punishment. Sure. Um, But when we use punishment, like if, if a dog, for example, is showing you growling and snapping or air snapping or Um, things like that. We say, no, don't growl, bad dog, don't growl. When punish away those warning signs, we're actually telling the animal that next time that didn't work. So next time I just better escalate to a bite. And they very well could just escalate to a bite if we punish away those warning signs. So if we don't respect their whispers or their sort of normal volume voice, uh, they may feel the next time like they need to shout to be heard. So First, first indicator. Um, 
assuming we're not going to use punishment, we're going to give the pet some space. So increase the distance from whatever the scary person or object or whatever it is that the pet is scared of. So for example, if you're with your dog out on a walk, you can cross the street or dive behind a building or even a car, um, walk away from whatever it is that's scaring the dog. That's the stressor. If it's a sound, for example, we can try and muffle the sound like with white noises or calming music as a starting point. Or just, you know, move farther away from the sound if it's, for example, construction equipment, really looking at increasing the distance. Um, oftentimes when they're in that space where they're incredibly stressed, they're not ready to take trees. So once we've gotten them from a far enough away distance where they are ready to take treats and they're at a low enough stress point, now the magic can really begin. And now we can start to really use those treats to gradually create a positive association with whatever their stressor is, whether that's another dog or a person or a thermometer or a grooming table. Um, and the key here really, the key word is gradually. So we're never gonna force an animal to confront something that they're afraid of or stressed out by. We're always gonna work at their pace where they remain comfortable and happy and Sometimes this can mean just taking your dog to the veterinarian or the groomer and just feeding them treats when they get there and nothing bad happens to them. That's the whole point of the trip, just to make a positive association. Um, so if for your cat, it might mean putting your cat in a cat carrier, throwing a handful of tasty treats in there, and that's it. Nothing else happens. So lastly, in cases of extreme stress, such as a serious fear of thunder or fireworks, let's say, um, or a serious peer, fear of dogs or people, you're going to want to involve a positive reinforcement trainer and potentially talk to your veterinarian about adding in some calming supplements and calming medications in order to get that pet to a point where they are able to learn new, better responses with treats. So if they're at the point where they're so scared, like let's say a thunderstorm, they can't eat, um, that's when you're going to want to involve those calming medications and supplements so that you can get them to a level where they're able to learn and you can teach them new calmer responses to whatever it is they're seeing or hearing at the time. Yeah, I think these are such fantastic points because I know a lot of people who are pet parents, but who are not necessarily in the pet industry who almost exposure therapy their dogs or cats, you know, and it's like, oh, um, you know, I'll reprimand my dog because he's barking because of the fireworks. And now I'm going to take them closer to the fireworks because they have to learn that it's not a threat. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's just like pushing them into the stressor as opposed to taking them away from that. And so I think that's just a fantastic conversation to have because, you know, a lot of it, them, a lot of pet parents are not at fault for that because they don't know, you know, a lot of with humans, sometimes exposure therapy does work. And so what I love about these conversations is, you know, we're not reprimanding the pet parent being like, hey, you're horrible for doing this to your pet. We're saying, actually, you know, let's, you know, reevaluate this. There might be a better way of doing it. And so, yeah, this is just, it's yeah. great. That's a great point. We can actually incidentally use something called flooding the animal. So we're really exposing them to their stressors at a maximum level. And that would be like if you or I were afraid of spiders and someone decides to get us over our fear of spiders by bringing us into a room full of spiders, right. <laughs> may be paralyzed, may not be able to see, think. And now, so it's equivalent of, you know, now let's do a math problem while you're in there. You, you can't even 
barely breathe. And that, that often does, it makes the situation much, much worse instead of better. So we've really learned that desensitization and counter conditioning is a much better technique than exposure therapy or flooding, as you say. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so I know we were kind of doing this little like circular organization of this podcast where, you know, I thought I was being smart by like moving things at a certain pace and that's not true. So let's go back. (laughs) And now let's talk about the assessing cat body language uh, since we're yeah kind of doing a full circle here. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So in cases, um, cats do have some similarity dogs in their body language. So for example, um, dilated pupils are going to mean the same thing in, in cats. That's a stressed out kitty. Or cats will sometimes pin their ears back or they'll sometimes put them out like an airplane. And that's also a sign of a stressed out kitty. Uh, If we look at the cat's body language, um, what their whole body is doing. So looking at the tail and the paws, are they tightly tucked underneath the cat's body? Are they really pinning them? A lot of cats will lie on top of their paws and curl their tail way into them that's probably a sign of stress. A more relaxed cat is going to hold their paws away from their body as they're lying on. They're going to hold that tail a little bit away from their body as well. Um, And there's also some very different cat body language symbols than dogs, and that could cause some struggles between cats and dogs. So for example, uh, when a cat has its tail raised in like a question mark, kind of stiff, upright question mark shape, that's usually a friendly gesture for a cat. It usually means, hey, how are you? I'm curious. I'm going to check you out. Whereas with a dog, a straight, rigid, upright tail would not necessarily be a friendly gesture that might be perceived as a threat. Um, Also, cats just tend to stare a lot more than dogs do, (laughs) which can cause a dog. I've seen this myself many times where the dog becomes quite unnerved by it because staring is quite rude in body language. And not so much for cats. So those are some key differences, like just looking at the tail and looking at the staring, but they have a lot of the common, you still can look at the eyes and the ears and look at the shape of the eyes and ears. And then the overall body language, does it seem loose or does it seem tightly tucked and pulled in? Are they protecting? So those are some of the key um, differences between cats and dogs. Yeah, I love that. I love that, you you know, you're talking about communication between the two of them, because that's really fun, too. You know, we can educate pet parents, you know, via this podcast, via other ways about how to tell, you know, when their dog or cat is stressed. But what about the cat and the dog? You know, (laughs) how are they going to learn? So they got to do some communicating at home uh, with each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, And having us be really attentive to if you do have both a dog and a cat at home, be attentive to each animal's body language because it's not uncommon for one of the species to be okay with it while the other one's over there really stressed out by it. Um, So just just a real quick tip, make sure cats have places to climb and hide um, if they do live with other dogs. Yeah, no, fantastic tips. And we're actually at the perfect time then to ask the Mela signature question. Now, this is a question that I think we are almost up to a hundred different answers. And so I love it because it's just so many different perspectives and ideas. And it's just like one question and everybody's going to answer it differently, which is what I love about it. And so what does pet health and wellness mean to you in today's day and age? Well, let's hope I can give you 101 different answers <laughs> bring that Perfect. total up. So to me, it means looking at the whole pet. So their physical body, 
understand their state of mind and asking questions very importantly. Um, so is my pet living a fulfilled, enriched life or are they just getting the bare minimum that they need to survive? Do they experience moments of joy every day? Do they get to interact with me in an extended period every day? Or are they spending a lot of their day in an anxious state or in a relatively calm and relaxed state when they're in between activities? So, you know, when they go to the vet, what is their experience like? Are they terrified or do they enjoy it or at least tolerate it calmly? So for us at Fear Free, um, health and wellness starts with access to fear free veterinary care. It certainly doesn't end there. It's always asking the question, what does my, is my pet having a good time? You know, is he living a, his most fulfilled and rich life that he could live? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic answer. I love that. And, you know, as we wrap up this unfortunately very short episode, I know that every listener wants to learn more about Fear Free. And I know you plugged Fear Free Happy Homes earlier. And so now is the chance to to do it again and share any more resources that might be helpful for pet parents. Yeah, so fearfreehappyhomes.com is really the best place to go. It'll give you... um, Dogs 101, cats 101, separation anxiety, um, noise phobias, enrichment ideas, training ideas. So basically, whatever your issue is, whatever you want to learn more about in terms of the pets, go to Fear Free Happy Homes and search on that. And we've got these great kits at the bottom of the website that can kind of guide you through from that end. Um, If you're a pet professional and listening, there's fearfreepets.com as well. Well, that's fantastic. And hopefully now everybody turns off the podcast episode and goes over there. Well, yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a, such a great chat. Thank you so much, Daniela. My pleasure to be here. Thank you all for listening and make sure to check out the show notes for all links to everything mentioned in this episode. Head over to www.mela.ai to learn more about what's happening over here at Mela Pet Care and for more ways to keep your pet healthy and happy. And don't forget to check out the Pet Vet Exchange on LinkedIn and Instagram today.